We're looking for two oil boys who can grease us up before each competition. You do the thing you're scared shitless of, and you get the courage after you do it. That's the way it works. That's the dumbass way to work. It should be the other way around. You'll have to excuse my friend. The town is back that way. You should make a radical change in your lifestyle. I mean, the core of man's spirit comes from new experiences. That's the way it works. Don't worry, we'll catch our break too. Just gotta keep our eyes open. Not bad. Close enough. Close. Good enough for me. All right. Hello, and welcome to episode five of the Looks Like We're Lost podcast. I'm Dustin Redazel, and with me is a man who, when it comes to holiday jokes, does not elf around, <laughs> Tommy Cooksey. Oh, man. Uh, the You know what's funny is, so obviously that's based on my uh, Instagram Snapchat filters. I don't use Snapchat except for to use these you know funky filters, and the kids love them. And I'm like, well, why wouldn't they love them? When we were kids, the thought of morphing your face into something like that in some kind of virtual reality, it was a thing of dreams. So, oh, yeah. I, I don't blame the kids for loving it whatsoever. Yeah. I don't blame you for trying to find a shred of pleasure in <laughs> like, just trying to adult it even a single, a single level above, like, I'm just painting faces with CGI. Uh, and hey, I enjoy the lighthearted nature. Dude, look, we, you know, you'll learn this soon. When you have two kids that are under the age of five and over the age of, you know, immobile, like they just lay there. On a rainy Sunday, when there's not a lot, you can't go outside, you just kind of find things that are going to occupy chunks of like 30 minutes. Because that's about how long mm-hmm. you can get them to focus. And so, you know, I can sit there, I can kind of multitask. We can have a little football on. We can have a little fun with the CGI. Uh, they love it. It gets some good jokes. So, so yeah, man. Yeah, I'm not, not elfing it. around. Not elfing not around. Elfing plus, around. I, plus I love, I love that Alec Baldwin uh, SNL skit. I don't the, know it. Uh, the Glengarry Glen Ross, where he's like, uh... oh, dude, I have to share that with you. He I have the seen whole, like... the Glengarry Glen Ross, but I don't remember. I don't remember always... that elite level pun being thrown out. Oh yeah, where he's talking about uh... <laughs> he's uh he's he's talking about the the elves who don't who don't care anymore. They're they're sitting around drinking fermented dew. Out of acorn shells, talking about the good old days. <laughs> <laughs> it's a deep cut. I am gonna, have, I'm gonna have to rewatch it. Yeah, yeah, I'll share it with you. All right, folks. For uh, for those who missed last time, episode four, uh, we talked with our dear friend Ryan Varga, who I think we can say it. Huge kudos. Uh, we found out what. Two, three days after recording the episode that he just got engaged. So it really made me rethink. We asked Ryan on the the podcast what one thing he was crushing in his relationship, and he said communication. Mm -hmm. It's like, Mm -hmm. well, it has so much more credit now. Yeah. Uh, You know, I almost kind of in jest, kind of poking, because that's what I do, asked him, Hey, when's the ring coming? But I thought a public forum wasn't wasn't the right time for that. You just had that feeling that it was coming. Yeah, you would have gotten that. Oh man, probably soon. Probably yeah, soon. right. You, you know, know that know. shrug off. Mm-hmm. Do you remember any odd feelings around getting engaged? It's kind of hard. Like once you've once you've had kids and you've kind of been through some time of marriage, like thinking back to what a, a monumental step that was. Ooh. And it feels different in hindsight than I think it really was at the time. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, for, for me, and this is going to sound a little, little cheesy, maybe, but you know, it, they, they, when they, when people say like, when you know, you know, and when you're with the right person, you know, and it's it's it is that simple, and it isn't. But I, you know, I can say from very early on dating Annie 
that there was just no question. And, and the reason I knew there was no question is for both of us, there was never any doubt that we were both just trying to spend as much time with each other as possible. And when you find out after six months, a year, a little, maybe a little more than that too, that that person is also just as invested as trying to hang out with you as you are with them, you know, you kind of, you got it figured out. And if you don't feel that way, maybe you, maybe you do know, but inertia is a hell of a thing. You know, I think a lot of people fall into that trap, which it's human nature to invest a year or, or 18 months into this thing. You can make a lot of excuses for why it's not what you think it is. Um, but yeah, I mean, when I asked her dad, so here, here's another story for you. Her, her dad lived in, in Pittsburgh, and so we didn't get to see him a ton to do the old classic, you know, ask for the hand in marriage and so forth. So we were we were on a trip in the Dominican, and I had a brief window. I had already bought some, like, probably fake Cuban cigars, and I was like, I'm going to ask him, and we're going to smoke these Cuban cigars, and it's going to be great. Well, first of all, I... I was nervous as hell, like shaking, you know. Annie, just go with them. I got to talk to your dad about this thing real quick. And I ask him and he hits me with, well, let me ask you. Why her? Why now? (laughs) It's like, I was not prepared to answer that question, man. I was not prepared for that. What'd you say? I I blacked out. I said something that he was like, that's good. You know, I, I think I probably said something to the effect of what I just told you. <laughs> but man, yeah. was I not prepared for that question. You know what's funny about not being prepared for it? It makes total sense. I I didn't have like a follow-up to my plan. I was going to ask and it was going to go how it was going to go. You know, yeah. I'm a salesman. I'm light on my feet. Uh, yeah, yeah. But now having kids and with a daughter on the way, like I'm going to... I'm going to be thinking about that. Like this, this yeah. is the guy she's seeing. Like he's, it's been a while. He's probably going to ask me like, of course I'm going to have my first place scripted. Right. It's like the oh, opening yeah. drive. Like I know these 10 steps. Like I, when that guy comes asking me something, I'm going to have some probing questions. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's such an obvious thing now in my head. I knew all the reasons in my heart. I knew all the reasons, but I wanted to condense it. And, you know, we, we, unfortunately, because of proximity, we didn't get to spend a ton of time together. He didn't get to see all the times we spent and the obvious, you know, love that we shared. And so when he hit me with that, it's like, well, and I just said what I felt. And that's, that was, that was good. But uh, the ending of that story is we never got to smoke the uh, the Cuban cigars because, unlike my Santa Claus story, I got a little bit of Montezuma's revenge, and I spent much of the rest of that vacation <laughs> sitting on a toilet. <laughs> oh, there's Man. one central theme around my bowel movements, but yeah, it was um, also one of the worst pains, one of the worst. But uh, yeah, but yeah. I like uh, Katie told me that I have to stop announcing to guests on podcasts that I have to pee, that it's just unprofessional. (laughs) She's not wrong, right? But hey, when you got to go, you got to go. But so far, we're keeping a strong streak of of potty talk on this podcast, which I'm not going to apologize for. A little bit of potty talk, you know, a little bit of potty talk. The... uh, the thing that I thought was interesting about trying to think back about the engagement period versus where we are now in our marriage is, you know, what you said the when you know, you know, and trying to spend a lot of time around somebody. And I think that is true to a heavy degree. But for me, the reason why I was trying to spend more time with Katie, like I think ultimately deep down, was that. I wished I was more like her Mm -hmm. and like I saw her life and the way she lived it and like the dreams I had for like me and my potential children and you know she was an avenue of hope for all that possibility Yeah, and and so it's kind of weird to think about it now because I'm much more assured of the person I am today 
than I was of the person I was then. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I think even thinking about like it being intimidating talking to, you know, her father, and, you know, you just mentioned being really nervous. I think yeah. the heart of that intimidation comes from like, like you kind of know at that time that that guy loves her more than you do. Like maybe, maybe not yeah. for sure, but it's like, <laughs> you're not certain, right? And mm-hmm. and so there's this insecurity that bleeds out. And I think that when I think back about it now, I almost feel like like I was getting engaged on a lark, which seems silly because like it worked, right? We're stable. We've been through some fires. But, mm-hmm. you know, it, it felt like I was like, you know, like maybe I can do this. Yeah. I'm going to give it a shot. Yeah. So it's just, uh, you know, I think Varga is much more evolved as a human being than I was at the age I was getting engaged. And, you know, we've had some private conversations. I think I think it's a much different situation uh, for them, and I couldn't be more excited for them to start that adventure. But it reawoken some of those old feelings I had about my own situation, but... Uh, Absolutely, man. Yeah, the same the same thing on my end where I saw this this optimism, this joy. You know, they, they talk about there being like gas pedals and brakes in relationships. And if, if anybody knows me, I can be a bit of a break. <laughs> like, hold up, let's take a look. And I saw and, and some pessimism and I saw this positivity in Annie that I was like, ah, I, I love that. I want to be more of that. And, you know, she's she's certainly injected a lot of you know, just in the way that she, you know, loves me and cares for me, a lot of confidence, a lot of, a lot more optimism, which is not, which is saying something. Um, but yeah, yeah, dude, uh, there's definitely, the, I, I told, uh, I told Ryan, like, yo, en- enjoy this engagement period. Cause it's, it's fun. It's a phase, you know, it's a, it's a time yeah. that, you know, aside from people asking you, when, when's the date, <laughs> everything else is great. No, I love the, you know, there's an argument to be made that anticipation is as fun as the thing itself in almost anything you do. Yeah, you know, Christmas. like, oh yeah, shopping for like that new outfit is a, probably as much fun as wearing it, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the the thing that I thought was interesting in thinking back about the engagement process and like my uncertainty in it is it did remind me of the conversation we had with Ryan on the podcast. And uh, to full circle this, for those who didn't listen, we just talked about the creative process, like um, how art is used for self-expression and what the value of that is in uh, finding oneself and satisfaction. And one of the things we talked about on there about how when you start doing something, you can't really know exactly what it is, right? Mm -hmm. It's... There's a leap of faith in the beginning that the the act of doing the thing. So, and I think marriage is very much this way. Like the act of loving that person over the course of years, and you said it, it's a living thing. It mm-hmm. turns it into what it is. And you can't predict it or control it, but you can just contribute to it every day. And that's a lot about what we were talking about with the creative process with, you know, photography and, uh, you know, the way I look at my writing. I, and it's it's cool to see him embarking on that same thing that I know you and I have got a, a ton of respect for in a marriage. Yeah, dude. I mean, I think that's. If there's one thing and I don't know the people do people listen to us for advice? I have no idea. But, you know, I, I think there's, I think, I know, man, looks like they're lost is what, <laughs> yeah. looks like right y'all there in are the lost. Yeah. Uh, but it's, uh, you know, you, you wake up every day and you, you have to make, you have to make a choice. And that choice is, is uh, to, to love that other person, to lift that other person up. And, you know, you're right. It, it You can't control it. You can contribute to it, right? It's just like. Yeah, you're building a great anything that there, there's a choice required each and every day. And, um, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think that he's, he's, 
much more self-aware, self-confident, and evolved as a human being, as a man, than, than probably we were, what, five, seven years ago. Um, but Well, you, might, right. you might have a shot. So you might have a shot in that competition. I stand no chance. So... <laughs> You know, um, they're they're gonna be off on a better foot. Last thing on yeah. that last podcast, and then like let's let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> Again, we don't want to spend every podcast just talking about the last podcast. But uh, yeah. one thing he did that I want to remember to do in conversation with people is when you mentioned not being a creative person, like he didn't let that go unchallenged. I thought it was yeah. really cool that he said. Hey, I want to touch on this so that I don't forget to circle back on it and didn't allow a self-deprecating moment that he disagreed with to slide by. That was cool. Yeah. Yeah. I I thought it was cool when he did it. I made a mental note of it. And then after Katie listened to the podcast a few days later, it was like one of the first things she called out. So Yeah, I think I think that was awesome. Yeah, just something I, to think I, I about when we. Yeah. Well, just something to think about when we chat with people. Like, uh, you know, people people give you their vulnerability in all sorts of ways, and that's always an opportunity to to connect. And I don't know. I'm bad at it for reasons we've talked about. I I I've got things on my mind I want to talk about. And maybe I'm not as good of a listener as I could be. So that was mm-hmm. an awesome, awesome thing. I'm going to try to work on myself. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Hey, before we jump right. in, I'm going to dis- I'm gonna disconnect from the VPN so I don't get choppy. Well, you know, your recording's going to be clean on your end, so the choppiness is only between you and me. Oh, okay. Then I'm not going to disconnect from the VPN. Yeah, we can just keep going. Uh... Now that we're now that we're podcasting without a net, no WebEx recording. That's true. Yeah, for the uh, for the podcast nerds at home, Tommy and I are doing what's called a double ender, meaning we both record our audio on separate sides. That's what's giving you this crisp, clear man. It sounds like they're in the same room. I look forward to being in the same room one day in the carriage house. It's gonna be awesome. It's going to be awesome. It's really going to kick things up another level. So that'll be uh, that'll be a goal we have for the new year. And speaking of new year goals, that is our topic today. Uh, new year's resolutions. Um, I guess I was also thinking about this in light of the marriage, right? Like new year's resolutions are just opportunities we make for ourselves. New beginnings. Mm-hmm. And I think about... I think about this probably a good deal. I've been fascinated by the New Year's resolution because like it highlights a little bit of the cul-de-sac nature of time and the in the fact that like every day, day after day, week after week, month after month and yet for some reason the year. It's like the year is big enough for people to almost worldwide stop and say whoa this thing has just been dragging on going one way and maybe i want mm-hmm. it to go another time to make a resolution yeah uh i do it my own way but i guess first and foremost i want to ask is the new year's resolution passe like are people more evolved in the self-improvement that nobody is really out here saying like i'm gonna stop drinking soda this year yeah. Well, if if there ever was a year that you might try to take on a New Year's resolution, doesn't it doesn't it feel like putting 2020 behind us and 2021 in the in the forefront? Like is wouldn't this be the year? You know, it's it's weird because I think we spend a lot of time ourselves and and talking with people who have at, at some point along the way recognized that we're in a constant state of evolution. Like how we do things, why yep. we do things. You probably more than most people I know, to be honest. <laughs> uh, you know, you're just kind of always challenging why you do something, how you do something. 
and I still think that that's a very small subset of of society. I think most people, we talked about it a bit ago, get, give way to inertia, right? Um, hey, mm-hmm. c- COVID said I couldn't go to the gym anymore. Well, what am I going to do? I guess I'll just, you know, binge Netflix now. Whereas the, I think that's the majority and the minority said, well, let me go for more walks. Let me try running. Let me whatever. You know what I mean? Uh, and so uh, I still think it's a thing. I still think it's that that uh, that people saying at the beginning of this year, I'm going to do this. Now, it's going to be different this year because, you know, a lot of things you still can't do. But yeah, what do you think? I think the reason you think I, people still do it. Well, no, I think you're you're probably right. One, people love the idea of change, right? Uh, James Clear, the Atomic Habits guy, he talks about the the difference between motion and action, and mm-hmm. I think New Year's feels like a great time for motion. You know, you say you're going to do something, you think about doing it, you even you even kind of dip a toe in the water of actually doing it, and yeah. then you know some life happens and the inertia you talked about prevents you from continuing with the the consistent deliberate action and pretty soon you know you it's like that boat that just rocks right back yeah uh, yeah the the problem and you're just is, right back is, into is, the groove yeah yeah i mean i think everyone likes the idea of change but making change takes real work like yeah oh, you know someone could say hey you know i'm I feel like I'm not in great shape and I and I want to get in better shape. But the commitment to say I got to wake up at 5 a.m. and I got to go for a run or I got to get on the Peloton or go to the gym if you, you know, wherever you're listening if the gyms are open. The day 1, it's like I got my new workout gear for Christmas and I'm like pumped, I'm ready to go. It's January 2. Let's, you know, let's get in the gym. Day 2, that luster starts to fade a little bit cuz it's like I didn't go to bed when I wanted to go to bed got a busy work day you know but i'll still go and then by the second week it's like i don't want to get up at 5 a.m an extra hour of sleep and then you can start rationalizing right you can say well all the studies say that eight hours of sleep is more important than (laughs) diet and exercise so you know rather than saying well i'm gonna go to bed at nine so i can get up at five so that way i can make sure i tackle this one thing this gym or this workout or whatever you know old old habits take over and so, yeah, I, I agree that, that people do, me included, like change, but the discipline to enact real change, I mean, it takes, it takes real commitment, doesn't it? Well, I guess let me make it personal. Do you have any changes that you're committing to at the turn of the year, or do you like the, do you like the systems you have in place? Are you making adjustments? Yeah. Like I'm constantly tweaking, but I do make, like, I do make an emphasis, like this is the year I'm starting the year. Here's the things I'm doing this year. I use the year as a turning point. Yeah. I don't know if you do anything around the year. So I've always, for me, I also think about things. And then much like what we talked about on the, on the last podcast where I then limit myself so I'll say I want to journal more. I do it a couple times and then I'm like, I didn't feel that, ah, I didn't feel that moment where I was like, oh, this is what's working. And so I'm kind of like, yeah, well, I could find other things to do with my time. But that being said, that there are some definite things from a mental wellness standpoint that that I that I really want to work on and I think I need to work on. I think from a from a health standpoint, you know, I have to get shoulder surgery at the end of the year, so I'm going to be a little bit limited. Um, it'll certainly, maybe after a couple of weeks, I'll be able to hit the Peloton and, and keep up the, the physical activity. Um, but if journaling is certainly on my list of things that I want to commit to multiple times a week, three three plus times a week. And I think if I set that goal, I can I can more likely attain it. The one that's a little harder for me that you, you you and I have talked about this before is, you know, human human connection. And so work, we both work from home. I stare at this wall in front of me, <laughs> you know, seven, eight hours a day. 
And whatever the reason, I struggle to reach out to you or to a Quint or my even my brother sometimes to say, you guys want to come over and sit around the fire and just hang out for a couple hours? And I don't know what that is that prevents me from reaching out and making that plan, right? And then if I make the plan, not canceling last minute, right? Even though I know that that connection that we have, that time that we spend, I always feel more energized afterwards. Um, you know, I think some of it is like, you know, growing up, my, my dad didn't have a lot of guy friends. He was family mm-hmm. and work and family and work. And that was kind of it to a point of almost shaming you know, other men who would go out to the, you know, to the bar with, with guy friends or go on a trip with just other spouses, you know, and, you know, you see that for 18 years and that shapes how you think about things. And so there's, there's a level of guilt for me where I'm like, well, I'm choosing, you know, this, and this is just my thinking, right? I'm choosing to hang out with my friends by a fire than with my wife and my kids inside the house where in which I live. Right. So Speaking of inertia, creating the, the, the habit of once a month or once every six weeks to make sure that I'm making that connection with somebody, that's not my wife and kids, that's, that's my, my guy friends, uh, does, will do wonders and I know that it, I know that it will because I've done it and, it and every time, like I said, I feel energized. So if I'm looking at the year, those are two things that I know that this year that I had thought about and wanted to do and then I just, you know blame it on covid like like i'll blame it on covid <laughs> <laughs> but uh what about no. you what about what what are some things you're putting to paper well that's uh i'll start with the relationships because that's a big one for me um i'm pretty good at things that are left to my control and power right and mm-hmm. i do i do a good job of planning my year and creating like an accountability system so you one do. of the things i did last year that was uh, flawed was I was going to spend one afternoon making one friend feel special. And the reason it was flawed is it didn't have a daily touch point. I would find the month getting full with all the other things I had to do every day. And pretty soon, like I don't have the time and, you know, I'd still find time to do things like send a friend a book with a note or something, but it was much, much less Mm -hmm. impactful than I had hoped at the beginning of the year. And I realized that anything that doesn't have a daily touch point for me uh, ultimately kind of gets ignored. So, you know, for example, um, I had charity miles, right? And some days I would run and some days I wouldn't run. And if I run miles, I recorded those miles. If I didn't run miles, I still went to the mirror in my notepad where I kept things down and I marked a zero. Mm-hmm. Even no action got recorded. Sure. And that I didn't have that for the friendship effort. So this year in relationship, I am just going to, uh, and I stole this a little bit from a friend who is really good at keeping in touch with people uh, from my, compared to me. Um, our mutual friend, Matt Pittman, who I've been trying to yeah. get onto the podcast. We'll see if we can schedule him. Um, he has yeah. a lot of practices that I like. But he started taking to this thing from a mentor of his that he calls a smile list. And it's just he writes a long list of people. Anybody who, like when he thinks about them, brings a smile to his face. And then every single day he works through the list and he just gives them a call. He's in the car a lot, you know, riding around to different properties. He does a lot in real estate. And so he just hits that list, gives them a call. And, hmm. you know, it's just, it just allows them to touch base with people. So I'm going to form a list myself, and every single day it's, it's a contact point. It doesn't matter if it's a letter, a text, <laughs> a call. And the idea is to make it small. Like a phone call can seem overwhelming, but – when I go to bed at night and I mark my things down on my accountability mirror, like I'm going to have my daily list and it's either going to be, I, I reached out to someone or I didn't. And if I didn't just sending somebody a text at that point, like it keeps the fires alive. You know, I'm thinking of you. 
and you know we'll see what kind of catch up and uh things spin out of that you know but at the very least i will control the singular action of reaching out on my end yeah so, it's funny it's funny that um and i'll just interject just real quickly so that's one of the main reasons i still do like fantasy football mm-hmm. you know is there, there there's a group of 11 other guys that I've that I know from some phase of my life. Some of them I've known since I was a year old. Some of them, you know, college friends, others I've just met. And it gives a reason to like connect with them. Even though it's around football and fake fantasy football and all that, you still end up catching glimpses of how they're doing, how their kids are doing, you know, how they're dealing with the pandemic in this case. Like and and so there, you know, there's something that's that's deeper than just you know how many points did a team score and so yeah I, I think you're right I mean I think sometimes you can look at a text message and just just poo-poo it and say well what am I what are they going to say I'm going to say how you doing they're going to say good how you doing I'm going to say good the end maybe maybe that happens on nine out of ten but if one person is like dude I'd love to catch up give me a call well you know that that's what mm-hmm. you're searching for that's what you're grasping for well, I also think that we're all the center of our own universe, right? And yeah, when you hear nothing from someone, so, you know, if I have a friend, you know, like a high school friend who I haven't talked to in, what, five, six months maybe it's been, and yeah. they hear nothing from me, well, then what are they to assume that I'm out here thinking about them that every now and then I have a fond thought and it just like, I just keep it to myself to do absolutely anything at all. Like the, the difference between zero and one is so much more significant than the difference between nine and 10. And Mm -hmm. so for me, like, look, we've created a cadence. There's, there's friends I have that I run into like they're easy. I don't need to text them to just say what's up. Like yeah. for me, the daily list ensures that people that I care about, that I don't have a reason to talk to, know that I still care about them. And that's all it yeah. is. Yeah, and I like that. I, I, think it, I think it'll be more significant for my orientation about my place in the world than like, I'm going to say something uplifting that changes my friends' lives, right? Like, yeah, there's, yeah. it is still mostly because I think it makes me a better person to get outside of myself. And if I have to create a system to care about others, then I'll create the system to overcome the fact that maybe I'm not as naturally caring for others as I'd like to be. And the nice thing about this will be my third year on the accountability mirror, which is my methodology for structuring my habits is I know that after a year of doing these things like the opportunity for eight hours of sleep just like the concept of staying up past 10 p.m. is goners like it's Mm -hmm. I I went to bed before 10 p.m. every day practically for an entire year and there is zero resistance left and by the time I get to the end of a year of like reaching out to friends, it won't feel like, ah, oh, this, oh, it's hard to do, yeah. right? Like, I don't have the time. Like, it just seems like a lot. What would I even say? Like, I will get through all that. I'll churn it. So yeah. that's one of the things on the list. But yeah, man, I think whatever whatever you're going to do, and I, I'll challenge you on this when, when the time comes, you got to create a, a measurement method. If yeah. you don't, if you don't have that, if you just say like I'm gonna try, like it's it's gonna fail. Yeah, um, like that's what you know. It's uh, to say uh, you know he, he, here's one that's kind of always swirling in my head, but I haven't quite figured out how to measure it or make it make it make myself accountable to it. But you know, I, I want to meet things, meet moments or people or situations, whatever, with, with more optimism. Uh, because I can absolutely look at a situation and immediately start to pick the flaws in it. Whether it's a new person, whether it's a place we're going to eat, 
anything. And <laughs> that's that's tough because my frame of mind going into something is this person's out to get me, right? Or this restaurant doesn't do X or Y. And so, you know, that's hard on my on, on a relationship <laughs> because mm-hmm. Annie is so naturally optimistic. She looks for the opportunity and the good and stuff. Now, I haven't quite figured out how to how to actionably or find a metric that says, what well, you know, think positively. You know what I mean? It's yeah. a hard one. It's like be. I want in 2021. I want to be a good, a better person. Well, what does that right. mean? How shitty of a person were you? Like, you know what I mean? Like, what are you really bad? Are you really a bad person? And then one little step, like, I don't know. That, that, those are those lofty goals that I don't know if you have any insight as to how would you, you kind of have to boil it down to an action or something that can be done. And so you, you, do you have any insight into like how someone might do that or how they might figure that out? Man, to systematize optimism. That's a tough one. Yeah. Without, uh, I think the journaling process would help a lot with that. Like something we talked yeah. about in the beginning, which was like have a have a system for gratitude. Because, yeah. um, I mean, ultimately, I think when we talk about gratitude and optimism, like the reason it is helpful to look backwards and say, like, I'm happy about this, it, whatever it may be is it's an evidence-based approach to orienting your mind. Mm -hmm. And the reason it's so difficult to have optimism around something that hasn't occurred yet is because there is no evidence, right? Like, hey, you want to go here? Nah. You're going to like it. Are you sure? Like, it's, it's real easy to put the brakes on that. So I think first it's like creating a historical path of I did these things and it did work out, right? It's not to make everything about exercise, but there's a certain amount of faith in the beginning when you start exercising that, like, you can't look for the weight loss in, what, like the first five days, the first ten days. You don't start checking for your abs, like, in the first month. Yeah, right. Like, you gotta create, you've got to create a string of plot points, that begin to show you that this is working and there's faith in it in the beginning. And I think a gratitude journal does that. I think conversations like a regular conversational cadence that's intentional about topics like this does that. So whatever you do to yeah. create a historical baseline, great start. And then uh, the second thing I would do, and this is just kind of true for like informational input, is... If it's really something you want to work on, just start getting books about it. You know, Jim Collins, good to great, like he covers some things about why optimism is so valuable. If it's really something, this is also a secret to make reading interesting. Like if it's something you want to change about yourself and the topic of whatever the book you get is about that thing, then the book itself will be interesting. Yeah. Like, uh... And I would I can, just start can, yeah. orienting the information that comes in that way so that then if you also have the output in the journal that way, like you're starting to build that. And then, uh, you know, after you do that for a year, let's talk again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to be, I be like, a, like a sensei master, like 10,000 reps, and then, we'll, then you'll be ready for step two. Well, dude, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right on the so the, the the journaling, gratitude journal, or whatever you want to call it, just just journaling about any and everything, specifically things that you're grateful for, is, is extremely helpful. Um, absolutely. So I, I can think of three books, well, two books, and then a, and then kind of a great read, but not necessarily. So boundaries, I talk about that all the time. That, that book reframed what it means to set personal boundaries, to understand when it's okay to say no, boundaries that I'm infringing on other people. And, and the awareness on that one was, was just, I mean, it, it smacked me in the face. Um, 12 rules for life, even though, you know, 
Jordan Peterson can be a little bit of a provocateur. The, the basic nah. message behind it is is really is really solid. And then you know the the book, uh, yeah. What 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 triggered your accountability mirror? Um, can't hurt me, Goggins. Yep. I mean, just by sheer brute force, that impacted me because it's like this dude was dealt a hand, and just just never stopped, <laughs> and still doesn't stop. Well, you, know? you talk about a dude who preaches optimism. I mean, he does it angrily, right? But yeah. Yeah. It's it's all about forcing your mind to get around the obstacle and like look yeah. at turn this turn this lump of coal into a diamond. Yeah. Well, uh, what about this? So cuz we're we're probably coming up where we on on time, time here. There's a couple Well, there's there's a couple things that uh that are that are interesting to me and and maybe you don't have this list readily available, but knowing you, you could probably rattle off 3 most your your most influential books that you read this year from a I don't want to call it self-help because it's it's kind of like getting a Joel Olstein book kind of thing <laughs> but <laughs> three books that maybe you know impacted your way of thinking and and you feel like kind of shaped shaped the path and led you down a better path of of being a human being yeah the uh, particularly the ones that because I think most people emotionally, hey, you're left to figure out what it is that is going to make you feel like your life is a success. Mm-hmm. And the books that helped me like systematize and and make actionable those things. Um, the three that come to mind immediately is Peak by uh, Anders Ericsson. And he's done years of research into um, how people pick up skills. And it's just all about the science of deliberate practice. The mm-hmm. second one, which is really good for building metrics and uh, systems to help you ensure that you're improving, is called Four Disciplines of Execution, 4DX. Um, it's used a lot in businesses and like sales training, but it it's applicable to absolutely any area of life. It's really good about how to build like a simple scoreboard to achieve a goal. Mm -hmm. And then, gosh, if I had to think of a third one. Um, This past year, I'd probably just throw out Stillness is the Key Mm, by Ryan Holiday. You sent me that one. Because, yeah, because the other two portions are really about like hammering down like a system and a strategy. They're very performance oriented, right? And I I don't think that you can be all on all the time. Stillness is the key is like it's like the recovery of life and why yeah. it's so important to get space from the action to ensure that the action is achieving what you want it to. Yeah. So those would be the three I'd throw out. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, you turning me on to that book and just Ryan Holiday in general. Um, cause you know, Varga's real big into the Stoics and ju- just kind of the Stoic mentality. These people that were just thinkers, um, has really made a profound impact, um, oh, for sure about, about approaching life. So those are good. Do you want to hit the weekly segments real quick or do you got to jump immediately? Yeah, let's hit the weekly segments, man. We'll hit the weekly segments and then we'll peace out and I'd, I'll want to talk more about the accountability mirror. How could I not? But we'll get to that future episodes. Hashtag uh, David Goggins. Guy, guy nailed it. So uh, the yep. the finding ourselves question of the week. Yep. Pulled from the We're Not Really Strangers self-reflection edition. Incredibly poignant considering our father-in-law conversation. The question is, who intimidates me? Why do they intimidate me? Again, who intimidates me? Why do they intimidate me? Um, I've actually thought about intimidation a fair amount. Go I ahead. can take a swing at this real quick. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of on the thought since you brought up father-in-laws because I think intimidation ultimately comes from insecurity, right? So, you know, if you're if you meet... 
like an MMA fighter, like you could find them intimidating if you thought you were going to have to fight them. <laughs> like, right. Right. I think a lot of a lot of males are intimidated by like stronger, aggressive males because like that's the ultimate escalation point of any any disagreement <laughs> is yeah, well this yeah. guy's gonna beat my ass. Yeah. So I I understand that classic term of intimidation, but like as you get older and we're modern men, it's not a lot of fisticuffs, not a lot of Donnie Brooks. Yeah. Nope. Uh intimidation is something else. So for me I'm glad that I have overcome a lot of classic intimidation. Um I I have met people that are like high up in our company that if I'd met years ago it would have been intimidating but mm-hmm. now after a lot of the stuff I've been through in life um they're just a guy it's just a guy Do you remember yeah. walking into accounting offices mm-hmm. in your suit with a tie and you're like I'm 23 and these guys have been doing this for how- what am I going to deliver to them <laughs> Yep yeah, hundred yeah. percent. You because do, you don't really know if you know. It's right. not that anything they know is intimidating. It's your own insecurity being bounced off of their persona. Yeah. So the one person that came to mind immediately, and I think for all those reasons I just called out, uh, is still my older brother. My older brother Joe still intimidates me. And not in that way that, like, I'm nervous around him or I'm scared about him, but because our life situations were so similar, you know? Like, we we grew up with the same opportunities, teachings, values, and yet in most of the areas in life, he has bested me repeatedly. (laughs) And and so I, I look at him and I just, like, you know... And he knows a lot more about me than other people. So, like, I can't really BS him like I could somebody who didn't yeah. know me. Like, he knows where all this stuff comes from, right? Yeah. Um, and so it is really difficult for me uh, when I think about my own insecurities and, like, do I feel good about the man I am, which is kind of the the father-in-law thing. Do I really think I deserve to call... Or does this guy know that I, I don't love her enough because right. he actually loves her so much? Yeah. I think that Joe is like, my, that's my brother. I think he's like the living embodiment of that in for all my stuff, right? Am yeah. I doing it well enough? Does he know if I'm BSing it or does he know if I'm legit yet? And whether that's true or not, like that's the space he's taken up in my head. Is he the guy that let's say you have some great accompl- you you accomplish something. You finish the second draft of your book or you know you 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 run the the marathon. Whatever. You have a great moment with your with your kid. Is he the guy you think like God, if he could see me. If he could just see me. I'm going to call him and tell him. <laughs> is that is he the one? <laughs> yeah, for sure. And it the thing is like He's not even that way, right? Like he's right. he's just gonna be like, "Hey, good job, Dust. I'm proud of you." Like he's gonna be great about yeah. it. But yeah. you know, it's there's definitely so the marathon's a good example, right? I ran a marathon. He ran a half Ironman. Like I finished my marathon <laughs> yeah. in a little over four hours. Like he finished first or second in his weight class in the half Ironman. Of course, it's he just did. like things like <laughs> it's like. He's he's doing stuff like I'm doing him. He's just like, you know, so he understands it. He's just doing a little yeah. better. The the perfect the reason I bring up the marathon being a good example is when I was towards the end of it and I'm scraping like fantasies for energy. Mm-hmm. I thought primarily of Walter. I don't mm-hmm. like you can throw your kid into almost anything and it, like it just like super steroids for the emotions. Yeah. Oh, and then yeah. the, the, the next person beyond that was my older brother and, yeah. you know, thinking about various incarnations of like this person being proud of me or not. So, yeah. And 
I guess I'll leave it there. We don't need to turn this into a gigantic therapy session, but yeah, that's that's the person, and that's why. You know, it's it's so it's funny because as you're talking, I'm sitting here thinking, and I'm like, is there anybody? I don't know that there's any person per se. I mean, sure, you you put, for example, Chuck Robbins or Elon Musk in front of me. Maybe even like a Joe Rogan. I'm going to be a little bit like, whoa, this person has got it all together. Even though I know mm-hmm. consciously, like they don't, right? But they, but they, but they've done so much, right? And they're just a human, just like I am. But to say that you know someone would intimidate me, you know, I, I used to through a lot of therapy, I, I used to really, really charismatic guys, like guys that just were out there and they, you know, they're the ones out on the dance floor at the wedding first, and they're you know, they you know they they. I was, I was, it was less intimidation, a little bit of intimidation, almost envy. Totally. Uh, and I've overcome that. Like I'm, I'm past that now. Right. I'm, I'm past that. It's now where people that used to maybe t- potentially would have intimidated me. I have, res- I have a lot of respect for them and I respect how they go about the way they do their things. And I also recognize that the person that you think has it the most together is also struggling with things. They're doing it in different ways. Maybe they've already dealt with it. Um, but, you know, I, I don't really have very many, aside from, like you said, if, you know, I'm walking downtown with, with Annie and someone walks up to us with a gun or a knife or something, yeah, well, then I'm, a, I'm a little bit, <laughs> I'm intimidated because yeah. I don't wield the power. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I don't I don't think there's a, an individual or, necessarily even a type of individual that that makes me feel like ooh, like i'm kind of falling like I, you know that old commercial where like the woman just kind of shrinks down like the you know mm-hmm. i don't get that feeling often um what what i do respect and maybe there's a little bit of intimidation in this are people that have committed to and almost i won't say submitted to they are their, their belief in god is so strong and unbending that they don't have any real worries in life. To Mm. me, that's a level of, for someone that needs a lot of control, question everything, to know people that also have liked to control a lot of things but have submitted to the highest level uh, is, is, you know, nothing can hurt them, you know? They've reached that point. And so th- there's a level of risk, like I said, a level of respect that I have for someone at that point that, you know, I still have these persistent worries, like little things Did I turn the stove off when I left the house Did I lock the front mm-hmm. door. Right. So I don't know. I think it's less Man, intimidation, th- more like respect, if I will. Yeah, no, this is a. For I think for men especially, intimidation is a gold mine of a topic. Uh, it is, yeah, it is. Because because even at where we're at, like being in our mid thirties, young, young to mid thirties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm still rounding right down. Thirty five. Yeah, I'm, I'm still rounding down. I mean, I still have hair coverage, nice beard, you know. <laughs> But you get to this point and like you've you've created stability. You've done the hard work of creating stability, both emotionally, uh, financially, and there's less to be intimidated about. But yeah. what we're really talking about is insecurities, and those never go away. Like no, uh-uh. you you always have room to fill in those potholes. So, well, I, I think I think about that. I mean, I think that if if you probably our wives could be the most intimidating people to us in the, in the world because I, I, you you submit everything to them. They know everything. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, And in a weird sense, maybe even your kids could be the most intimidating. Like sure. The, you know, the hierarchical power of the, of the way things are supposed to go, you know, God, husband, wife, you know, your kids, but they know how to, just stick that knife in and twist it. And yeah, you can't have any gravity, swagger. No, and and the gravity of what you're responsible for 
in raising them, it's like, well, if I say this one thing, does that does that manifest itself 15 years from now? <laughs> like, you know, um, but yeah, it definitely touches on insecurities as in like you know, the things that you question, like, am I doing that good enough? Like, just like you said about with mm-hmm. you and Joe, like, yeah, he, he's he's sort of been the, the gold standard of some of the things you shoot for, you know? Yeah. And, you know, the, you mentioned kids. I mentioned Joe. It, it's kind of all the same time continuum, which is like Joe knows everything about where I've come from and how I've gotten to this point. Like he goes all the way back to the beginning. He's he's mm-hmm. like my wife can't say that. Like you yeah. are right. She knows she probably knows me more deeply and intimately than Joe does, but she doesn't have that chronological span. And similarly, like when I'm dead and gone, you know, who's the primary person who's going to be able to judge my life? It's not somebody from the outside who can look at like whatever body of work I leave behind. It'll be Walter and my daughter and Mm -hmm. who will actually know my value as a person. So, you know, when we just, it's the root of intimidation. You don't want to waste your life. And when something scares you, it gets back to the insecurity that maybe you are. You see that person out on the dance floor, and they're seizing the moment. It's carpe diem. And what are you doing? You're just pissing away the opportunity. So, like Mm -hmm. I said, it's a rich Mm -hmm. topic. I would love – I'm sure it'll come up again. But uh, we do got to wrap (laughs) – Yeah, dude. It's a great one. We got to wrap it. So uh, do you have a recommendation for the week? Look, you know, I think this is less of a recommendation because she's so booked and more of a uh, a, a kudos to Annie's salon. Uh, we celebrated her last night. She's She's been doing this for about six months. She, she branched out on her own, um, took a bet on herself, and has been working her butt off uh, running her own, uh, own hair salon. You can follow her, Annie Cooksey Hair, on Instagram. Um, she, she specializes in women, <laughs> women's cuts and colors and etc. Uh, but I, yeah, I think it's it's a shout out and a uh, you know reach out, but also uh, just a kudos to her for for grinding it out and, and doing a really good thing. No, that's awesome and such a crazy year to start it, right? Yeah, a lot of tenacity. And as somebody who has taken like a few stabs at nothing to the degree that Annie has, but at some, you know private personal ventures Mm -hmm. it is really tough to just start your own thing from scratch it's incredibly difficult and that's awesome man uh my my congratulations on top yeah dude thank you what do you got the uh i was just going to I, i thought we would go this way in the conversation so i'll just uh throw it out um it's a singular podcast episode and you have to go back into the Joe Rogan archives, but the Matthew Walker podcast, and it's all about sleep. Um, mm-hmm. He has a he has a book, I believe it's Why Sleep Matters or Why We Sleep, but uh, Matthew Walker Sleep. You'll find it on Google. Um, but you get most of the gist from like the two hour conversation on Rogan if. And that podcast, which led me to his book, that podcast completely changed my mind on sleep and honestly probably changed my life. Uh, the amount of energy and like mental acuity I have because sleep is a priority and him laying out the science for why that matters. Um, for anybody who is thinking about serious New Year's resolutions, if you're not getting a full night's sleep, like you need to make that the baseline and like your physical health will change your emotional orientation and your intellectual acuity. And then the other goals will not be as difficult to achieve. So Dr. Matthew Walker on the Joe Rogan podcast, I'm sure he's on a lot of other podcasts too, but uh, all about sleep. That's my big recommendation. Yep. I would 100% agree with that. That podcast changed how I looked at sleep as well. Plus, he's got a super pleasant accent, and his delivery is fantastic. So it's an easy pit, listen. Pit, cheerio. Yeah, it's it's an easy listen. <laughs> All right. I think perfect timing. The the faux, uh, the faux British was just enough to crash our WebEx or freeze yeah. you. 
Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> All right, dude. I am glad we we got it in here. Have an awesome yeah. week. Um, we probably won't pod record again before Christmas. So happy holidays, Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry um, Christmas to you, to everybody. Man. Uh, yeah, enjoy the time with the family, brother. Hey, well, Merry Christmas. Thanks, everyone, for listening. See you, dude. See y'all later. Thank you.